Hey, welcome back. It's a new year. It's a new episode of Roots Radio. Uh, it's been a while, but um, but we're back and we're going to kind of chat about some of the new stuff that's going on around Roots. Uh, there's new stuff that's going on with some projects we're working on. And um, I have with me your friends, Austin. Howdy. I was going to say you're the Canadian, but I don't even know where you are anymore. Well, I'm still Canadian. Uh, so anyway, got Austin and Kaylin here. How are you doing, Kaylin? Good. Um, well, Cool. Uh, thanks for being on. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Carr. We're going to tell you a little bit about, like I said, some projects that we have going on, um, some updates to some of the Roots projects, um, and just kind of just kind of a little check-in. Kind of the, one of the things that's happened recently, uh, an actual bump and version of stuff, was uh, Bedrock 1.5, which is just kind of a bug fix release. So um, not a whole lot to talk about there, but if you guys are running Bedrock, which I know a lot of you are, Check that out. There were some some bugs that got patched and a new version got pushed there. So pretty pretty quick and easy update, but some good stuff. But where most of the action's happening these days is uh, over in Trellis Trellis Land, where um, I think we're seeing a whole lot more stuff changing just as we're working towards uh, version 1.0, and a lot of cool things that um, I'd like to chat about. And I'm looking forward to to using in our projects here real soon. Um, so some of those bigger things, one of them was um, the move to PHP 7 and uh, us deciding not to keep HHVM in there anymore. So, um, Kaylin, if you can kind of talk a little bit about that change and maybe what we've seen with PHP 7 so far and maybe why we um, feel like HHVM is not, uh, not required by default in there anymore. Yeah, so um, let's see. So... I think HHVM is actually still a little faster than PHP 7, but obviously the difference in speed is much reduced now. Um, and I think basically for the amount of people who were using HHVM with uh, Trellis was pretty minuscule from what we could tell. And the amount of upkeep on it was a lot more, so with PHP 7 I think we all kind of decided to just drop it and focus on PHP 7. Um, so PHP seven's way faster, right? Then all recent, all, all previous versions of PHP. Yeah, I don't have any. I, I don't recall any benchmarks off the top of my head, but I mean it's close to I think you know like twice the speed. So we should all see pretty cool. good imp- uh, performance boost there. Yeah, I know that there are some good some good uh, comparisons. So we'll link those up in the show notes if you guys haven't seen those yet. There's some cool graphs and. And this uh, this update to PHP seven is exciting stuff. It's um, yep. it's gonna gonna help out anybody who's who's running just a regular WordPress site or or something that's bigger. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of cool uh, updates and uh, uh, things we'll be able to use. Um, so a few of the things that I think will be helpful in WordPress land. Um, let's see. So there's scalar type declarations. Basically, all that means is. Um, when you create a function or a method in your class, um, instead of just you know saying I want a variable, um, and it right now in PHP it can be anything. You know you can pass false, you can pass an object, you can pass an array, um, and then you you know if you wanted to be strict, you would have to check that in the function. Um, now with PHP seven, we can actually uh, kind of type hint what it needs to be so if you want an integer you can type int before the variable name and 
uh, it will basically require an integer. So we've had that this in PHP for a while with um, just classes. You could type into class or an interface, but now we can do it with almost anything. So uh, it's a bit more, I guess, of a, a strict type of declaration. Um, more more like some other more strict languages so if you want to uh, have that ability you can do that now in PHP 7. So I'm actually looking at uh, what the first result on Google or whatever for benchmarking uh, HHVM versus PHP uh, it's on kinsta.com I guess we'll throw that in the show notes um, and uh, what we're looking at with HHVM uh, WordPress 4.4 in this one uh, 335 transactions a second and then PHP 7 is a 287, uh, and that's with the op cache. So, and that's kind of that's really important because uh, without the op cache, you're looking at 84 transactions a second, which is <laughs> pretty huge difference. Uh, and Trellis does include a properly configured op cache, so uh, you'll with Trellis, the new version, you'll definitely be able to take advantage of all that. Cool. Yeah. So huge speed increase uh, across the board on all these benchmarks. So. Um, I guess kind of the reason to not go HHVM on top of uh, PHP 7, even though it's a little bit faster, is just kind of the default. Being in that default uh, PHP, really well-supported um, software area, and there's there's just not a huge game between HHVM and PHP anymore. Any other uh, kind of cool things that come along with PHP 7 that you might have noticed there, Kalen, Or Yeah, the spaceship operator, I hadn't known about this until it was in the features, but um, basically it's just a uh, another... Uh, comparison type we can use. Um, the null no, no coalescing operator uh, sounds complicated, but basically it just allows us to use. I'm sure everyone's done like the is set. You know, if uh, if something is set, then use it, or else use something else, or use false, or something. Um, with the null no coalescing operator, we'll be able to use two question marks instead of one and then the variable name and that will just shorten up some statements we use um anonymous classes i don't know how helpful that will be necessarily i think anonymous functions seem to be a bit more useful but i'm sure someone will be able to use them um i guess those are the ones i had noticed that we're going to be more useful. There's a lot more other stuff. We'll leak. I think we can link the new features in the show notes too. Yep, definitely will. Yeah. So headlight features that um, is that speed bump. So um, even mm-hmm. if that's all it came with, we'd all be happy. I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's a lot more new stuff coming in uh, in Trellis as well. So we also got HTTP2 in there. So Austin, what's that all about? How does that help the folks out? Yeah, so Trellis for quite a while has uh, had uh, SPDY support, uh, which is, you know, I guess the Google's version of HTTP2, uh, proprietary or whatever. Um, Not proprietary, but you know what I mean. Uh, Not HTTP. Um, And it basically gave you comparable performance to um, HTTP2, um, and it had pretty great browser support as well. Um, However, uh, I don't think it was ever really intended to stick around forever. Uh, it was definitely kind of a precursor to HTTP2. Um, kind of where we're at right now is uh, Google's actually going to remove uh, support for SPDY uh, in Chrome. So basically forcing everybody to go to HTTP2. 
um, which is, I guess, not so great for older browsers, but definitely for all the you know current browser landscape uh, that, that does support HTTP2, not, not a big difference there. Um, so what we had to do is we went ahead and uh, uh, updated our Nginx to use the mainline, uh, you know, like, like the, the mainline repo, rather than whatever the default is in, uh, you know, in apt. Um, so we are, I guess, Trellis is now used, it's, it's no longer using SPDY and it's now using HTTP2, um, which is, uh, you know, if, you, if your current server doesn't use SPDY or HTTP2, uh, it's a pretty huge difference. Um, in performance, um, I mean, notably, like one of the, uh, I mean, one of the notable features there of using HTTP/2, if you don't already know, is that it, uh, it basically makes uh, if you have like lots of requests on the page, uh, parallel requests are a lot faster, um, persistent connections are handled a little bit nicer, um, you know, really, uh, really big speed increase as well. Yeah. So one caveat of that is um, the SSL stuff, though, right? Uh, what about it? Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. SPDY yeah. required uh, an HTTPS connection, so we're talking TLS. Um, how's that? Is this the same thing with um, HTTP2? Yes, sir. As far as having all those connections? So, yeah, sorry. Uh, you need, uh, in order to take advantage of HTTP2, you need to have an SSL certificate. Um, so, and we we do a self-signed one for dev. Uh, a while back, we introduced that feature, so you're totally good to try it out on dev and see how fast it is. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're deploying to staging and production, uh, it's a good idea to, uh, you know, to, to have a SSL certificate. Uh, it will not, it'll just default to HTTP 1.0 or whatever, uh, without it. We just gotta so, get that let's encrypt, uh, self-certification yep. in there, ASAP. Absolutely. Pull, pull request accepted. Yeah. Someone, whoever, if you're listening to this, uh, go ahead and, you know, just start working on it. <laughs> um, we need that. I need that on my desk by Friday. So get working. <laughs> yeah. So all that to say, these are two features that soon um, you have a NASA social certificate, which you should by now. Um, even even uh, for for SEO reasons, of course. There's that new Google update that says they're they're ranking SSH or uh, they're ranking HTTPS sites higher than. Uh, than uh, non-HTTPS sites Ooh. these days. Um, there's there's more reasons than ever to start encrypting stuff and uh, get an SSL certificate for for your site. So so do that. They're not very expensive anymore, and like we like we alluded to, hopefully they'll be just all free and kind of built into Trellis soon with that that Let's Encrypt stuff. So that's on the horizon. Um, I know we've we've been looking into that, and as that continues to evolve and shape up, we'll get get that in there. One one question. Um, <clears throat> Austin, isn't one of the like headline features with HTTP two um, like the no longer worrying about the amount of files that are transferred? Uh, yes. So, but with regular HTTP, uh, you know, the meme was to you know keep your request count down uh, to extreme minimum because uh, creating a connection is really expensive. Um, with HTTP two, it's I mean, it's it's actually flipped around. Um, <laughs> it's actually more useful to break everything out uh, because the connections are multiplexed. So it means that I mean, rather than you know creating one HTTP connection, downloading your big main.js and then closing it out, uh, it's going to reuse. It's going to try to parallelize those requests and then 
before closing it, try to fit some more in. Uh, so basically, is in, uh, removing that, uh, you know, removing that uh, cost to creating all these connections. So, um, which you know, with uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But the new Sage build process with Sage Nine will be a little bit more friendly to this. Uh, it's already, I mean, I've already got it working right now in Sage Eight to where you can, if you really thought it was worth the optimization, you could break your CSS and JS into smaller bits. Uh, but uh, definitely will be a little bit more automated a little bit later. So, uh, but yeah, regardless, even if you, I've, in my kind of experience, I don't really have any, I didn't do any formal data on this, but uh, like even just a regular site uh, that is using a, an old build process that compiles everything into one CSS file and one JS file, uh, they're still a lot faster, um, even if you're not, you know, doing those little micro optimizations. So there's, it's almost like, I mean, you got to be on HTTP2 <laughs> as soon as possible. Yep, do it. Well, cool. There's a couple other little things here. Um, just kind of a, a note. Um, we've been waiting for some some better DigitalOcean integration for deployments and um, provision servers, uh, mostly, I guess. So spinning up actual new droplets, and I believe that now with uh, the release of Ansible 2, uh, we're getting really close to that because there's, um, there's a new um, new module in Ansible for DigitalOcean domain control. Uh, so that's coming really soon, I hope. We've got a, an open issue about that. It's been open for going on a year and a half now. Um, so Ansible 2 coming out is a cool thing for us, something that we're still working on a couple of kinks with. So if you guys have seen that, um, maybe don't quite upgrade yet because there is a, a little bug with on the Ansible side, I think, that's patched in, um, in the development release but not added to... Um, the actual yeah the um, mainline de deploys are still broken I think with Ansible two and Trellis. Cool. Yep. So, um, but Ansible two uh, coming really soon to a Trellis near you. Early support for it and uh, DigitalOcean uh, domain stuff coming right after that. I would I would think it's been on our, our horizon for a long time. Yeah, that's really the one. I mean, that's one huge feature that needs to get implemented to kind of like close the loop because um, we've. I mean the Trellis workflow is like so slick. I mean I've, you know, I've spun up projects, you know, no problem. Uh, you know, I've, I've cloned down your projects, Chris, and just been up and running in 15 minutes when I've never even, you know, done work on your stuff anymore before. And uh, it's just kind of funny because then when you go to actually set up the infrastructure, that's where there's a disconnect because it's it's this slick like oh just clone down vagrant out good to go you know no big deal and then <laughs> there's just all this. Well, yeah, just clone it down and then uh, go somehow figure out, you know, somehow spin up a DigitalOcean instance, however you want to do that, and come back when you have all the info and then manually plug it in. So having that DigitalOcean integration would be would make it almost as easy as just, you know, figuring out for your remote <laughs> for your remote servers. So really looking forward to that. Again, if you're listening, uh, expect that feature on my desk uh, Monday morning. <laughs> Well, I know we got a lot of people interested in it, so I'm sure it's coming soon. Well, cool. Uh, last note I had here for Trellis stuff as we're uh, going through a marathon uh, change log read readout for you guys is uh, Ansible Local. Do you guys know what's up with that and, and why people should care? Yeah, I sure do. I, this is something I actually cared a lot about. Um, so a new version of Vagrant allow allows... Uh, okay, so the current workflow is that you have to install Ansible on your system. Um, and then you, and then that allows you to use Vagrant to Vagrant up, right? Um, with the uh, 
with this new Vagrant update that came out uh, recently, just I think it was a you know mi a minor version update. Uh, it allows you to run Ansible on the actual VM, which is gonna, makes me really happy because that's going to reduce the surface area for me testing on different platforms and stuff. Uh, and also, it's a bit because basically, rather than you having to learn how to install Ansible via pip or brew or whatever, um, that's just all handled on the VM for you. Um, so if you if you're really just using Trellis as a local development environment uh, for whatever projects, uh, that's just going to keep that complexity totally out of your hair. Just you just vagrant up and don't even worry about it. Um, if you want to get into all the remote deployments and stuff, uh, then you can definitely uh, you know install Ansible and go through all that. But uh, Ansible Local is just going to allow you to uh, get up and running with uh, get, get the team members who aren't concerned with deploying to remote servers. Up with Trellis even easier because everything's all everything's on the VM. Cool, awesome. Um, well, big thank you to everybody who's been uh, helping out, pitching in on these Trellis updates and uh, this project uh, for the whole time. So I, we appreciate all the contributors who are um, who are helping with that because uh, I know we all use it and love it. So thank you. Um, Let's move on to something I think is a little bit more exciting, a little bit more kind of cutting edge, uh, some stuff that's kind of coming next, which is Sage 9. So there's been a lot of work going into uh, going into Sage for the future version because um, as much as we hear that Sage moves ahead fast and every time you turn around there's something new and, and different because that's just how web development goes these days, um, even though we hear that feedback we're uh, we're going to keep moving ahead and keep keep up with what's new and what's um what's great in all of web development and not just what's uh, popular in wordpress right now so looking ahead that's uh, that's what sage 9 is and there's a branch up on github for sage 9 you should go check it out cuz there's a lot of cool stuff going in there a lot of good work um already done and um planned for the future so uh, some of that work that's already done is a restructuring of the theme and the, um, the folder structure and moving towards um, just a whole new setup of that. So, Kaylin, I know that you know a little bit more about that, kind of this move to PSR4 and, um, and auto-loading and maybe some more deeper composer uh, integration. And um, Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's up over there? Yeah, so... Um our good friend QWP6T, or Quop60 as we like to call him, can't say his name for privacy concerns, but um, he's been doing a lot of work uh, on restructuring everything. Um, so, let's see. Um, it, I mean, there's big changes in this, um, this branch. So basically all templates have moved into the templates folder. So... <laughs> Unfortunately, with uh, front-end theme, we still have a lot of files in the uh, in the main folder. Um, like style CSS still needs to be there, and then we have like our four different package managers now. Let's see: Bower, Composer, Node. Um, yeah, so we're up to three now, and then our gold file too. So still kind of a busy uh, folder structure up there, but um. So yeah, full, uh, templates though are have moved into a templates folder. Not just the um, like the secondary includes, but um, actual pages and uh, the overall templates, which is pretty nice. Um, the base 
um, file is now in layout so this is a lot more similar to a lot of um, templating engines which um, have like different layouts is which is what we call bases uh, with a theme <laughs> now I can't remember the what it's called the theme wrapper um, and then the one of the biggest changes is PSR for auto loading so um, because we now are going to depend on composer um, we have auto loading of um, files so we'll, we'll have a source directory now and we're gonna try I think and have a few more classes because uh, functions don't auto load like classes so um, we have let's see here um, the asset class but basically any class now that you place into these folders as long as it follows the um, the namespace so root sage is where um, is under source lib sage so that's where things will start to be loaded and then uh, the namespace just follows the uh, folder structure basically so under template the namespace is root sage template and then the wrapper class so um, this will be nice for when we when you want to add another class to your theme basically you'll just put it in here and if you follow the same uh, namespacing structure it'll get auto loaded so no more needing to include PHP files file by file in the functions folder um, so I'm going to enjoy that for sure and um, yeah with composer support now we'll be able to um, uh, install packages a lot easier and also we can use composer to pull down the uh, the theme or create the theme in our project so yeah lots of changes but uh, lots of good ones yeah so this is cool stuff um, if you're coming from an earlier version of sage it's gonna look different if you're not coming from another version of sage and you're just taking this on new I think it'd be pretty intuitive uh, the folder structure makes a lot of sense and um, it gets a lot of that stuff out of the root of the um, of the theme folder kind of that, that uh, traditional WordPress way and as we are always trying to drag WordPress into the um, well we're in 2016 now dragging WordPress into 2016 um, there's there's uh, there's the more future looking version of what I think a theme uh, can look like and can be included in your project and really be be set up the right way. So I think that's great. Um, the next and kind of separate part of that is what uh, what's up for um, our build process. And over the years, we've we've moved our build process through um, a lot of different tools, kind of as they became standard or um, more efficient and more capable. Um, but Austin. Uh, I know you did the basically the whole gulp rewrite that we did for Sage 8. Uh, what's on the horizon for Sage 9 on the build process side? Yeah, yeah I've uh, kind of talked about this a couple times on the podcast, but uh, maybe I'll kind of uh, talk about it in length and uh, with the point of perhaps asking for some comments uh, from people who are listening. Uh, definitely interested in knowing what you guys think. Uh, yes, so as far as Sage 8... Um, you know that we we built this whole asset pipeline based on Bower. Uh, you know, works pretty great. Able to basically just uh, removes a lot of the manual work involved in uh, uh, using packages from Bower. Um, you know, 
and that's that, that's been going great. Um, I'll let you know that although we kind of rolled this asset pipeline uh, right about when I started, um, you know, building that uh, pipeline for Sage Eight uh, was really when uh, module loaders and JavaScript module loaders and stuff uh, really kind of came into fashion. Um, uh, and if you don't know what a JavaScript module loader is, um, it's we'll, we'll talk about that in a little in a, in a second. Uh, but you may have heard of like Browserify and, and Webpack and Require.js and System.js and whatever. There's probably four or five other ones that came out this week um, that I don't haven't used yet. Um, so uh, the point of us do, building the asset pipeline for Sage 8 and not straight up using a, one of those module loaders was that it was, a, you know, uh, it, it, it's a little bit more involved, um, you know, on both the package maintainer side um, and the developer side on how to actually use these, uh, you know, these uh, module loader sets. It's definitely, if you're used to adding script tags or uh, if you're used to, you know, enqueuing JavaScript in the, you know, in functions.php, uh, it's, it's a pretty significant uh, step away from that. Uh, and I wanted to avoid that. I kind of wanted to just keep it, uh, keep it simple, keep it within the WordPress, uh, you know, what WordPress developers would be comfortable with. Especially like, I mean, I know uh, a lot of module loaders require, you know, uh, a module to be written with the knowledge that it's going to be used in a module loader, um, which I know is that's a DOA uh, requirement for WordPress developers because you got to be able to grab some five-year-old jQuery plugin or whatever <laughs> uh, to be able to build your theme, some horrible slider or something. Uh, so that's kind of that's where we were at on that Sage 8. Um, got some really good feedback. I've heard people are even using that that gulp file in WordPress pro or projects that don't have anything to do with WordPress. Um, but so where are we right now in 2016? Um, so there are murmurs about Bower dying. Uh, there are you know uh, Webpack with the uh, the surging of React and all that kind of stuff has kind of come into the uh, common skill set that's. That, JavaScript developers are used to, um, so I kind you know I want to I want to bring that hotness to <laughs> uh, Sage here. Well, that's that's not all that's changed either. We're talking about um, this being ideal for a Trellis-based uh, uh, server. So you've got HTTP two, mm -hmm. and um, probably a really high chance of um, that being over SSL. Um, and uh, we're in a world that has a WP API, and um, we're moving a lot into um, a, a world where JavaScript is a part of building just any website, and um, and we want to be able to support that. So moving away from a traditional build process that cl clabbers everything into one file um, and looking towards the future is where we start getting into some of this... Um, modular stuff right yeah yeah let's talk about what so so yeah i mean all that all the setup there um the point is is we're um, with sage 9 uh, i'm going to introduce uh webpack as the module loader for uh you know the build process there um and there's a there's pretty good reason for that um if you haven't ever if you've, you've i guarantee if you've heard of webpack uh maybe as you know on the sidelines uh, maybe too scary stuff like that uh but in, in a nutshell, what it does um, is it allows you to write your JavaScript 
um, if you like node code, you know, as modules and require it in, uh, just like you import stuff in PHP, right? Um, I mean, if you, you have two different PHP files, you import, you know, one of your classes in, uh, you can write stuff like that. But the important bit is that um, rather than targeting, you know, a server, it's going to target the browser. So it's going to take your big old application that you've built and it's going to bundle it for the browser. Um, and that's, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could definitely use Webpack to bundle everything into one big chunk like we've been doing. Uh, a, another interesting thing about Webpack is that you can actually, it, it knows your module structure. It knows which files rely on jQuery and which one, do, you know, which modules don't. It knows which ones need React, which ones don't. So you can, it actually allows you to split your little, you know, your application, you know, your main.js into however many different chunks you want. Because, um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people on the forums asking like, well, I only want to load d3.js for this one page because it's the only page on the whole site that has a graph. And <laughs> I don't want to load like 100 kilobytes of JavaScript for the whole site if it's only going to be used on one page. Mm. And my advice used to be kind of like, don't be a baby, just, just you know, who cares? Just put it in one, uh, you know. Man up. But, yeah, but now, actually, with HTTP2, it's actually kind of a... That's a valid technique. That's, that's actually a valid thing to do. Um, you know, it, I mean, you you actually see significant benefits doing that kind of stuff. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that would be extremely time-consuming and, and, and hard to reason about if you're doing that manually. Uh, so you let the computer do it uh, with this Webpack module loader, um, where you basically, you define all the entry points of your application, maybe the about page.js, you know, everything.js, like whatever. And Webpack is just going to spit out a bunch of bundles uh, in exactly the, you know, the, uh, the order you need. And you can, uh, and you can go ahead and enqueue them and conditionally and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so that's definitely going to be a huge, a huge feature. Um, I'm, it, I'm definitely curious to hear from people who have been using Webpack or Browserify or whatever with their WordPress build processes, um, and kind of, you know, if you take a look at Webpack, let me let me know what you guys think. Um, you know, just definitely definitely interested to hear some feedback if that's <laughs> if this is going to be like way too scary or uh, just thoughts in general. Yeah, and of course the old way of doing that would be some conditional WP enqueues for styles or scripts. Um, and like you said, that's a much more manual process, and um, you're not probably not um, able to then, you know, move it move as quickly through making changes to that kind of stuff. And, um, and of course, that's really reliant on stuff that's on the PHP side to decide when to do that. Yeah. But um, one thing to note, as we are talking about new technologies and things that may be scary or or different, you know, we do hear that a lot where somebody says, you know, I was using Sage or I was using Roots before it was Sage and, you know, things were good and now things are different and maybe they're too complicated for me or just, they're just too complex for my, my project. Um, one really cool thing about GitHub, of course, is that if, you know, there was a version of, um, of Sage prior that you liked or that, you know, fit a specific need or, um, you know, was more attuned to your particular project, you know, those versions are all still in GitHub and if, you know what year down the road you needed a project that um 
Sage 8 worked really well for, and Sage 9, you know, doesn't, or it's not in your skills or your wheelhouse, you know, Sage 8 still exists, and you can go do that. Same with Sage 7, or if you really liked Grunt, you could go find a, a version of Sage that you just Grunt. We wouldn't, wouldn't probably recommend it and wouldn't be able to help you too much if you ran into problems, but um, I just think that that's, that's cool, and there's always going to be that old version if, uh, if, that's, if that's your jam. Well, cool. I'm excited about that stuff and uh, hearing about it, and looking forward to seeing seeing that come to fruition. I know that we've used, we're just getting started using um, Webpack and React and WP API on some Carrot projects, and uh, and loving it. Yeah, yeah, it's real, uh, real nice. Um, one of the, you know, I guess before, I, I want to, I kinda definitely want to talk about. So I've, I've actually recently been working with, uh, like Chris just said, with the WordPress API and React and Webpack, uh, you know, in some plugin development. Uh, so I definitely want to talk about that. Um, before I leave the whole stage nine Webpack thing, I guess well, <laughs> so all the philosophical stuff aside, um, if if you're using you know Sage eight. Uh, like recompile times are down from like seconds to like milliseconds, so like like hundred milliseconds or so, because um, everything you know so everything can be a lot smarter. Um, so that's definitely one concrete benefit. Uh, that's that. awesome. Yeah, especially if you were pulling in something like, like you said, D three, and that was compiling mm -hmm. each time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, uh, I think. Uh, Julian was was on my case because he's like, dude, I added like Angular and like a million uh, mod Angular modules, and this thing, you know, my write compile times are like ten seconds, and I'm like, yeah, and I, I tried it with the Webpack version of it, and yeah, it's like a hundred milliseconds or so. Um, so nice, it's very nice. So um, that does bring up one question, which I don't think we talked about, was um, how does that affect uh, development dependencies? And if we're not using Gulp anymore, how does that kind of work? Uh, we're still using Gulp. Um, yeah, I'm still using Gulp. Uh, it, technically, if you want to, you know, uh, get controversial, you don't need it. Um, but you know, I, I'm gonna go ahead and we're <laughs> maybe Sage 10 will get rid of Gulp. Um, I, I, I kind of under the for for the uninitiated, um, it you know, it's nobody's gonna make nobody's there's gonna be no API change at all. You're still gonna Gulp, and you're still gonna Gulp product Gulp dash dash production. So nothing's changing there. I mean, I guess even your existing build scripts will still work. Um, you know, if if you wanted to be clever, you could definitely just use npm scripts or just run the you know the Webpack build process manually, or even use the build the Webpack CLI. Um, but yeah, we're gonna gonna keep Gulp in there. Um, you know, in case and, and it's Gulp is a general task runner. So I mean, there might be other stuff that people want to do. Um, you know, besides just the Webpack stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna take the you know a safer route or a, <laughs> a route that won't pe make people mad. I don't want people to <laughs> go. Well, you guys switch from grunt to gulp to nothing. Like, what's going on here? So, <laughs> yeah, we're changing a little bit under the hood, but uh, gonna keep the the API, I guess, that we're exposing the same. Um, yeah, same old, same dependencies. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, back into talking about um, cool React stuff. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, on, on a bunch of projects I've been using, uh, you know, like I've been getting into WordPress API plus React in the WordPress admin, uh, and it's really, really nice. Um, I mean, Chris, Kayla, how, <laughs> I mean, let me know, actually, I'm, this is a question, like, 
so my what I do is I just build everything as React components in the admin and be happy with it. Like what what did you guys do before that? For for Ajaxy type stuff. Like, like let's or? say you wanted to build a dashboard view in WordPress, like for as an admin uh-huh. page or something. Like how how did you guys do that before? How does that work? I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. <laughs> Copy paste. Um, no. Um, I, I think uh, what I would generally do. Um, uh, advanced custom fields makes it pretty easy these days. So you can have a generated page and then just add fields to it and then mm-hmm. use those where you need. Uh, so that's been my go-to for a while. And then you just have it like require a PHP file or something? or No, it's all done automatically. You just, um, uh, in your theme or plugin, you can just call uh, the ACF uh, functions. And it's basically mm-hmm. like ACF add page, give it a name, and then... Oh, you had the fields that way. Oh yeah, I forgot. It's using, fields. It's using yeah. the WordPress uh, admin APIs to create pages and add stuff to the navigation bars on the side and stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay, I forgot. They basically fields did that. Yeah, because it's just it's a wrapper around the WordPress uh, admin API, right? Like the admin page yep. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, generally, for a site build, I'll have you know maybe a couple options pages for specific areas. Nice, nice. Um, well, yeah. So what the way I'm attacking this stuff um, is actually it, it really really simple. So um, I'll, I'll kind of skip the nitty gritty with React, but basically, you know, in the admin, you would have a I guess a WordPress menu page, right? And the only content on it is going to be just a a single div with an you know some ID that you keep track of, like you know, ID equals dashboard main or something, right? Um, and that's the entry point for your top-level React component. Um, and from there, everything gets whisked away a thousand miles per hour in JavaScript land. Um, and you basically just, I'm creating a bunch of API endpoints in, uh, you know, RESTful API endpoints in WP API, and then just, you know, feeding everything to that top-level React component. Um, and it's really really nice because um, I mean when, when you have a bunch of you know complex admin views especially views that are nested like think about like if you've ever seen an admin view that has like a you know a sidebar uh, and maybe even a top bar a top navigation bar and then like <laughs> it's got a you know a middle area with content um, I mean that could get pretty tiresome I suppose if you did that in PHP having to like make a bunch of admin pages or sub pages or um, well, I don't even. I'm not, or maybe even query strings. I'm not even sure how you do that in the regular uh, WordPress admin. But uh, just having that single entry point, handling all your complex view stuff in React, and then just having some general RESTful API endpoints, uh, real, real good stuff. Uh, like I know I've recently been doing a bunch of like Google Analytics dashboard type stuff, and uh, it's it's been really it's 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 been really nice. I mean, basically. Uh, if you if you've ever I know if you're listening to this if you've ever had a uh, like some kind of plugin or something uh, that you use to pull your Google Analytics stuff um, using this kind of like React plus RESTful API uh, thing uh, makes it really really easy to reproduce those plugins like I've I've seen the code base for like a plugin like Analytify and and otherwise and there I mean there's just like a ton of stuff going on. Um, but it's and, and then you look at it that basically that same plugin like re-implemented in React, 
uh, and it's a, extremely simple. Like you, and you know, you can even leverage pretty much every single React graphing uh, module you know out there. Um, you know, and and then it's it's much easier to maintain and navigate because you basically just you've got your views, you've got your endpoints, and you just maintain them semi separately there, and you don't have to navigate huge templates with HTML and uh, PHP mixed in between them, and all that kind of good stuff. And you also don't have to you know when you're when you when you are rendering like complex graphs and whatever else, like you don't have to jump between jQuery land and PHP land and then back to HTML. You can just Kind of just do everything whole hog in JavaScript, so I'm I'm really enjoying that. Uh, Chris, I know you you're peeping at it a little bit. I'm curious what you what you think about it. Oh, I think it's great. Um, I'm excited to to uh, see the future as we um, we continue to continue to see things use that WP API more and you know expose that data really easily to JavaScript based stuff. So um, I know we've talked about it a lot over past episodes and. Um, it's just cool to see it start coming into the work that um, that we're doing, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens um, on, in WordPress land from that. Um, to see new plugins and um, just stuff in the admin that uses it, or stuff that's on the front end that uses it, to see what you guys end up doing in the themes that you're building with um, Sage Nine, Webpack, uh, WP API, and all that stuff, kind of all tied together as as um, all this stuff kind of comes to a head. So um, we're talking about these changes in Trellis, and we're talking about these changes in Sage, and of course we talked a lot about the changes in WordPress, and and all that's kind of kind of moving us forward to to something different, something new, and something that I'm sure we can't quite uh, predict what we're going to see. But I think it's great, and I'm trying my best to learn this React stuff too, and uh, get more <laughs> JavaScript under me. But it's been it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Well, cool. You guys uh, been working on anything else neat you want to chat about? Any other plugs you have before we kind of finish this episode up? Um, I will say that um, I just did a project where uh, I want to do one thing that was, uh, uh, I guess, Ajax-like. So uh, creating endpoints in the new WP API is really easy, so I'm happy to see that, like, you know, you extend a class and within like 20 lines of code you can have your uh, endpoint set up so uh, good job I think to the WordPress API guys uh, REST API is going to be a big boom to WordPress in general for sure yeah and uh, the rest of you guys out there who are creating stuff with this we'd love to see it so pop it through that there's a discourse uh, thread of uh, just example project stuff that you guys have completed that you're proud of. I'd love to see see more of that stuff kind of coming out and um, some examples of that. Do share. I'd love to see it. Well, cool. Thank you guys both for being on. Uh, thank you to our listeners for um, giving us a break here over the holidays. I know I had a good uh, good holiday time and we're ready to get back on a, a regular schedule for this. Um, coming up next, we are going to have our good friends um, Nathaniel and Scott on talking about some infrastructure stuff so uh, if you guys have questions regarding just infrastructure you know scaling um, getting trellis up on uh, some different hosts and how to handle handle traffic for that um, we're going to be chatting through some experiences that they've had and um, some strategies for doing that next time around 
So again, thanks, uh, thanks guys. We'll chat with you again soon. See you later. Thanks.